I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Bill Darty, who is CISO of chronic disease management firm Amata Health. Bill will be speaking to me about some of the top security challenges his organization faces and the steps that he's taking to address those issues. So, Bill, for starters, what kinds of chronic disease management services does the company offer and who are your clients? Yeah, so we're a digital healthcare company. I hesitate to call us a startup because we've been around a little over 10 years. We specialize in the prevention and treatment of uh, chronic diseases, primarily type 2 diabetes, but also hypertension, chronic heart disease. We have a physical therapy or a musculoskeletal treatment program and a behavioral health or mental health application. All these are our services we deliver through connected devices through smartphone apps and a web interface with a machine learning backend and then care providers. So there's a real human behind the program as well, spread throughout all 50 states. And who are your clients? Sure. So we um, sell primarily to large employers and to insurance companies and health systems, whoever holds the risk on an individual uh, patient, because these diseases, they're debilitating, they're very expensive. Um, if you can prevent them, or if you can provide a better standard of treatment, you actually lower the risk of that individual. You, you lower their cost to the overall system. So our customers, they come to us because they, they want to improve the health of their population and they want to reduce their overall healthcare spend. So Bill, with that said, what are some of the top security challenges that you're dealing with, especially these days? Well, healthcare is the number one most breached industry, I believe. It has been for many, many years, not something we're proud of, but that's because we're dealing with people's most sensitive information. It's more sensitive generally than their banking information. So we deal with all of the standard risks around protecting protected health information, but in our world, it becomes a little more complicated because we have these reasonably complex four-way and five-way trust agreements where our customers are sharing protected health information with us. We are in turn signing up members into our program who are sharing information with us, but then we have to share it with other care providers for coordination of care. We have to share it with billing providers, things like that. So it, it's a very complicated trust relationship around this ecosystem of providing digital care to people. So now I understand that we're, there were some issues that you were dealing with in terms of intrusion detection previously, and that you've been making improvements with a new approach to how you're handling this. What are you? What were you doing before, and how are you handling this now? We are a cloud-first, cloud-only type company. We operate primarily in AWS, but then have lots of SaaS providers as well. And intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, very important to us. We are obligated under contract and under regulation to have it. But traditional approaches, network-based intrusion detection really doesn't work well in a cloud-based environment. The environment uh, changes too frequently and doing something network-based doesn't give you the visibility you need to your real threats. So a couple of years ago, we switched over um, and started working with ThreatStack and they're a host-based intrusion protection provider. And we switched to them from our previous vendor. Our previous vendor was mainly looking at log files. And the, if an alert was coming in a log file that looked like it was an issue, they would escalate it to us. 
ThreadStack operates differently. They're not looking at log files at all. They're, they're actually looking at running processes and they're doing file integrity on the disk. And so it gives you a, a very different view into what's going on in your host. A log file is only as good as what's written to it, but the, the running processes give you much better insight into what is happening on the host. And then from that, you can profile what's normal versus what's abnormal. So doing that, it cut down on A, it cut down a lot of our, our logging expenditure, but B, it, it cut down a lot of false positives. So we were, we were trying to get to a situation where we were getting actionable alerts. And prior to switching to threat stack in two years, I don't think we got a single actionable alert. What we got was a lot of false positives. Now we're getting actionable alerts. And in terms of the actionable alerts that you're getting versus some of the false positives, what sort of things you've seen now that you, you could take action on where before you might've been you know, wasting time sort of addressing when there really wasn't something there that you needed to be concerned about? Uh, knock on wood, we, we haven't been significantly breached by anyone, but what we do see is that in a frequently changing environment, our engineers might push something new that we weren't expecting. We might see processes running out of control. It provides a backstop primarily to our whole change management infrastructure, where regardless of if we have you know, reviewed the change or approved the change or seen the change, when something new starts happening on that host, whatever it is, we're going to see it. And so that gives uh, the security team a really good window into what the engineering teams and the operations teams are doing in the environment on a daily basis. We coordinate that with the alerts we're getting from other systems, from our, from our logging and from our firewalls and other things to get kind of a more holistic view of what is going on on an individual host or across multiple hosts in the environment. And are there any other security issues that the threat stack offering is helping you tackle while doing you know, those things that you just mentioned? Yeah, so we also use their operations center uh, as a first line of, of triage. That takes some of the load off of my security operations engineer. So they have their own SOC that is reviewing alerts, looking for false positives, looking for configuration issues, and filtering out a lot of the noise. And that means that in a given day, instead of try, my team trying to weed through 500, 1,000, 5,000 different issues, maybe we're only looking at five to 10 that have been escalated to the point where they want our eyes on it. And so having a, kind of having a solid partner that is an expert in their own system and can weed through and filter out the noise is hugely beneficial. And Bill, looking ahead to 2022, what are some of the other top security projects or priorities that you have planned or would like to tackle for the months ahead? So I'm spending a lot of time right now focused on the future of work after COVID. We reopened our offices after having all of our offices closed for 567 days. And during the last year and a half, we have shifted the entire organization to being a remote first company that, and now with the offices reopening, coming in when you have a reason to versus this being the main place of, of work. Well, with that, it's great from an employee perspective. It's much harder from a security perspective because now everybody's house is part of our security perimeter. So we're focusing on improving our tool sets 
around zero trust, around endpoint protection, and also trying to take all these tools that we've acquired over the last couple of years and do a better job of consolidating them for the operations team into a single pane of glass. So we're, we're getting escalate alerts from ThreatStack. We've got our logs coming out of Sumo Logic. We've got um, 15 other tools that we're using. And we're spending a lot of time right now trying to build single painted glass dashboards to consolidate it so that my operations team can look in one place and know, do we have a problem or do we not have a problem? Beyond that, we're starting to have more fun again. And by fun for us, what I'm talking about is we're doing more threat hunting and we're going to start red teaming. And those two things are a lot of fun compared to sitting around waiting for something bad to happen. And in terms of threat hunting, what sort of approach are you using? That's a great question. We actually start with our threat model. So we have a proprietary threat model process that uh, our head of compliance and I wrote and released about three years ago that anyone can download and use. It's great for healthcare or any regulated industry. It's at includesnodirt.com. But we try to model out how our systems and our processes are supposed to be working. And then from a threat hunting perspective, we form a hypothesis about what would it look for somebody to bounce outside of this process or the system, develop a hypothesis, and then go look for it. So it's not something that there is a threat hunting tool that you can go buy. This is literally form a hypothesis. We think somebody is defrauding us in the claims group. Well, what systems does that touch? What's the normal process? What does our threat model say? And then what would be the signs of abnormal behavior? And now let's go search for that abnormal behavior. Thanks, Bill. I've been speaking to Bill Doherty. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.